You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Bill Dawes. Welcome to the After Laugh. I'm here with a very special guest, Aries Spears. And because I probably uh, take too much ambient, I'm forgetting the co-host here and the co-host of his podcast, Andy Steinberg. Steinberg. Yeah. I wanted to say something else. Okay, Andy Steinberg. Greenblatt. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Welcome to anti-Semitism. So, um, I, uh, you guys have a podcast, right? Yeah. Yes. What's your podcast called? Uh, Spears and Steinberg. Spear, hey. Yeah, we kept it very simple. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? Uh, not, not, I mean, that sounded like, I'm surprised that Aries <laughs> <laughs> and, no. Uh, we met uh, in Phoenix. He, uh, he'd come through Phoenix, uh, stand up live for a few years, and I finally had the nerve to ask him if I could go and do a couple shows with him, and he gave me a show. You know, should I tell that story? We told that story. Yeah, but yeah he gave me he gave me a show, and it was at uh, I can actually tell you where it was. It was in uh, Oxnard, at uh, Levity Live. Levity Live in Oxnard, and so I sat there the whole weekend. And uh, you know, over the period of a few years, uh, he Aries uh, is known for being a little aloof. But it's not that he's aloof; he's focused. Yeah, yeah. And so he's focused on what he's doing, and you have to know when to talk to Aries. So over that period of time, I learned how to talk to Aries a little bit. But then when we were uh, when it was like I was, he brought me out. I didn't really still it, that dynamic kind of changed because I wasn't on my home turf. Yeah, you know, and so I didn't know how to talk to him. So at the end of the weekend, uh, about I guess a day before the end, I go. Uh, so is that what you expect from feature? Just to sit here, shut the fuck up, and you know, just Whoa. hang out here until you're ready to talk to me. And he goes, Wouldn't it be nice if women said that? Would <laughs> <laughs> <And, and laughs> you just expect me to sit here and shut <laughs> the fuck up? Yeah. So you asked for his consent. Uh, yes. And then he just goes, "I'm an adult, man. I can talk whenever the fuck I want to. All you have to do is talk to me." And uh, that's great. Uh, once I said that, it was like we broke the ice. And, yeah. Uh, ever since then, we've just been uh, like slowly developing a relate. You know, like a, a can I like ask a real person relationship? Yeah, ask ask whoever you want. You can ask after ask whoever you care. It wasn't it, like a real person to person relationship, not a comic comic relationship. Yeah. Like we're, we're friends. So before that, you hadn't talked to him at all. Yeah, I talked to him, but like we would talk in spurts when it was convenient. You know, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt him from his flow. So, but I knew when to talk to him back in Phoenix, and then after it was after the shows were over, like it's kind of my you know it was my place so i knew what to do and yeah take them you know like there was a little bit uh, more flow like that i was in charge of yeah but when it was when i was out of my element i didn't know how to you know it, it was different because he had his own thing he's been there before he knew what he was going to do how he was going to do it when he was going to do it yeah and so it just took a minute a lot of people don't know how to take me and, i, I, I want to ask and, you about that and, yeah. And yeah and we could dive into that because you know there's always a perception yeah about people in this business and and certainly there has one has been one about me uh and for those that know me, that, that, you know, maybe take the time to converse with me, uh, like Andy, who's been doing it because we've been on the road together, and like you, uh, very few people I, I do that with. And, and I think that because I am aloof, uh, as the great Patrice O'Neill said, <laughs> people take aloof for asshole. Oh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I guess that might be some of the different perceptions yeah. about me. But uh, at the end of the day, what made it all click was... Andy eventually bought me vodka. <laughs> or no, it was tequila. Tequila. He gave me tequila. Big so anyone tequila. who wants to open for uh, Aries Spears, remember, buy him vodka. Yeah, yeah tequila. tequila. And, and, tequila. and as, 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 you know, as time went on, you know, during the holidays, he, for Christmas, I, or one holiday, he gave me a, a speaker, like one of those speakers that you, you know, for the Bluetooth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. So, so for a Jewish dude, he's very giving. <laughs> uh, I didn't get you shit this year, though. Not, okay. not so far, not so far. Not I got yet. something not for yet. you. Not yet, not yet. just hasn't come back. Hasn't yeah, come yeah. So he, you know, uh, that's how we kind of came to be. Uh, and when, when, uh, so you, when did you first start hearing that you were Luke? When was the perception, when did that land on you? They're like, wait, people think that I'm this way. And uh, probably when I got to L.A. in 93. Oh, wow. Yeah, because things kind of happened for me in a different way. Yeah. That, that wasn't the norm in terms of how they they happen for people. You yeah. You know, most, most guys. We'll get into that, yeah. Yeah, most guys, you know, they start off working the road and the grind mm-hmm. for so long, going from MC to feature to eventually headliner. But for me, it was the it was the opposite. 
you know, I came in to this business uh, getting so many development deals and, and just back when they were giving development deals at a ridiculous rate. Yeah, you got off of the airport and they're like, hey, here's yeah, a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot young comic in town and he's the, the shit. And so I got all these development deals that didn't go anywhere. Uh, long story short, I eventually ended up on Fox, was which was my last development deal after doing ABC, NBC, CBS. Um, and, and at the time, Aaron Spelling, who, of course, was known for Melrose Place uh-huh. and Beverly Hills 90210, he did a show called, we did a pilot called Crosstown Traffic, uh-huh. which is basically the Mod Squad. Yeah. Um, that failed. That didn't go anywhere. And finally, the, the, uh, the, the head of Fox at the time, I think it was Peter Chernin, was just like, look, I'm a fan of this dude. I want him to be on the network. And then they put me on Mad TV in its third season, which I actually auditioned for the first season. But because I was locked in a deal with another network, they wanted me, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. So... Uh, Adam, Adam, that was Adam Small and Fi- Adam Fog, D- David Small. One of the names, the two dudes, the showrunners that ran it, uh, they were fans from day one. So they were like, man, let's put them on the show. Yeah. So I got on Mad TV about five or six years into that, kind of built a name, and I just immediately started headlining when yeah. I went out on the road. So I never did the whole MC to feature and worked my way up. I went straight. I went straight into the pool head head first. You didn't have a crew though either. Like you didn't come up with a crew. No, 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 no. So you don't have that. Well, yeah. So let's back. So wh- how did you come up? How did this? How did you get these development deals? Where were you before this? Before LA? I was New York, New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, if you could call it a crew, the guy, the guys I came up with in in New Jersey, you know, a lot of the, what they call the Chitlin Circuit, the <laughs> the, the black clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Triveca, Club 88, Peppermint Lounge. Uh, I came up with Bill Bellamy and okay. a bunch of other guys. Derek Fox, Cool Bubba Ice, Hamburger Jones. And Ham- really me Butter. and Hamburger. But really <laughs> me and Bill Bellamy were the only guys out of that crew yeah. to really get somewhere get pop, yeah. and, and maintain it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like when I watch some of these comedy documentaries and the boys in Boston, fucking uh, Lenny, Lenny, what was, not, what was his name? Not Lenny Bruce. Lenny, he was real popular. Oh, I know in the exactly. 80s. He's friends with Dennis Leary. And yeah, he yeah. Him Den- like Dennis Leary, Stephen Wright, um, Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark, yeah. Lenny yeah, Clark. Yeah. A lot of those guys, great. you know, that was their crew. Yeah. Uh, and the New York guys being Jay Moore and uh, fuck, what's more guys out of New York? Uh, Nick DiPaolo and yeah. a lot of those New York guys. Rich Voss. Rich Voss. And so I never came up with a click because when I started, I was 14. Jesus. And when I did Def Jam, I was uh, 16. Holy I did Showtime shit. at the Apollo at 17. And the thing was, I couldn't hang out at the clubs because I was I was underage. So my mom would escort me to the clubs. I would have to do my shit and leave because I couldn't be around the alcohol. <laughs> so sometimes my- So it was, it was technically illegal that you were doing it and the club owners were like, It nah. wasn't illegal because I had my mom with me. Okay. But, but like my green room, like when most comics hang out in the green room, my green room was a, sometimes, hey, this is a niggas club, so shit is poor. It was, it was a broom closet. Like I would literally have to sit in the broom closet until they go, knock, knock, yo, you're on. And then after I did my shit, I had to leave. So yeah. I, I, I always kind of felt like I missed out on the comedy comrade type shit. Sure, yeah. Where comics bust each other's balls. And yeah. I think essentially to some degree that makes you stronger, yeah. that makes you better. And I never had that. So I was kind of always a loner. Yeah. By myself. Uh, and by the time I did come of age where I could do that, I was so used to being alone that I kind of didn't need it or yeah. I didn't want it. Yeah, for and, sure. And because I was so aloof and by myself and kept that attitude, yeah, people thought, you know, I was a dick. Yeah. And also, what have you heard, Bill? No, I mean, you know, my experience with you, Aries, is we've done, I mean, you probably don't remember this, but back in the Times Square Laugh Factory days. Do you remember the Times Square back, Laugh back, Factory days? Back before the, they made that, it was it was Dirty Pussy Central. <laughs> oh yeah, it was oh, it, it was, was called Show World, and yes. it was uh, what what was Show World? Show World was like, like the a, peep the peep boxes. Yeah, where you could reach in and touch the woman's pussy <laughs> and get stuck. There was supposed to be glass there. You weren't supposed to be able to reach in. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you could. Yeah. <laughs> I touched a few. You might get stuck with a hypodermic needle <laughs> and catch AIDS at the same time. But that's what it was. Yeah, and there was a I, there were a couple years where they had headliners, and you came in as a headliner. Right. And you were, you know, you, you, you're just one of the people who, you've always been a beast. I've never known you to not be a beast. Always kind of intimidating. I could understand why you didn't, were afraid to talk to him. Like, oh, fuck. But him. was the intimidation because I didn't talk? No. Well, first of all, let's, you're a big black dude. 
and we're crackers. <laughs> Did you know that? Did Number you? One. That wasn't. Uh, that wasn't. <laughs> and then you have an energy, and then on stage, your your point of view, you're so entrenched in your point of view, it's so powerful that you just don't want that energy directed at you. <laughs> I have to repeat. I have to repeat one of my own quotes that I did on Vlad TV. I don't know if you're familiar with Vlad. I, yeah. Yeah. He. He. he for some it. reason, this dude is like the top-notch dude who interviews everybody and anybody and anybody that's entertainment, but more more so rap, music, hip hop. Yeah. Uh, but he gets the biggest names on, and he interviews people. And um, I did an interview with him, and you know, we talked about race, and I had to say then what I'm going to say now, which is uh, white people, you, you guys have this ability. <laughs> it's the Jedi mind trick. I love how you have convinced society that Negroes are to be feared. Because <laughs> uh, even last night when you went on stage, you said I went, it was a great line, too, in your stand-up. You go, uh, I went to a high school that was 70% black, 30% in, uh, 30% terrified. terrified. <laughs> and I just sat, I, again, it brought me back to go, where the fuck is this notion that Negroes are to be feared when historically speaking, white people, <laughs> y'all have been the most dangerous motherfuckers on the planet. Oh, for historically. sure. Historically. So yeah. that's why I just, I say all that to say, when I hear that, you're a big black man and you scare, like, motherfucker, please, <laughs> please. Nothing I've ever done can scare yeah. anybody the way y'all have scared society. I but I don't that. want, I don't want to, I don't want to turn off the white listeners, I don't want y'all to think <laughs> I don't like white people. I do. I appreciate the shit out y'all because I have a little white in me, and every now and then it comes out. I like to lay down at the airport and go to sleep anywhere. You guys yeah. have a unique ability to sleep anywhere, uh, <laughs> and you know sometimes yeah, I like white women. So exactly, if it weren't for it, white men, you wouldn't have white it. women. There you go, baby. I feel it. <laughs> no, you okay? But the thing with you, uh, when you don't present an opening for a lot of people to talk to, right? You don't like what a, what, you have a focus about you, right? And if you don't know the person, that person has to take the initiative to try to find the opening. To well, speak the last with you. time niggas gave white people an opening, they ended up on a boat trip <laughs> and did four hundred years of hard labor for free. Solid point. But then the Jew can come in with your story historically as well. You know, come on. My story is different though. It, 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 uh, we were just tried to knock off. We weren't used for slave labor. Uh, they, they just, they just we, we weren't even valued as as workers. They yeah. just wanted to just end it. Uh, you know what? This we have people to do the work. We yeah. just need you to go away. So yeah. it's 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 different. If you were athletic and strong like black people, maybe they would use you for slaves. But unfortunately, you know what? You know what irritates me the most? I'm gonna say is athletic, like big. Ju I, I was over at uh, at Cantor's today because uh, uh, my girlfriend's never been there, so I took her to go to Cantor's to eat today and it's saturday and it was around two o'clock so everybody's you know getting out and uh so it was filling up and you know what the, the most annoying people to me i'm gonna tell you this this is gonna make people mad at me is uh is athletic big jewish guys i've never seen one yeah because when that when that anomaly <laughs> not happens, since jesse owens nigga, I, <laughs> and they weren't even big but no, go ahead but when that anomaly <laughs> happens there's like this presence that they have that they think that they are right because now not only are they jews but now that they're obviously the king of yes, the, jews, the king of the jews. jews because they're the biggest in you know guys in the place that's why people like jesus because he had abs you he know, had he abs, abs but, yeah. but he but he portrayed more of a hipster i think yeah that's true okay Okay, so, I'm sorry. Interrupt. Go ahead. No, 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 no. There was just—it was just annoying to me. There was, there was a couple. There was just this one guy, and he was just this oafy Jewish guy, big, and he was just in the way. And I could tell, like, he played football in high school, and that was, that was his, that was his yeah. peak. Yeah. But he was in my way, and he was just that. He was—I don't know. It, it just annoyed me. I, I like, I like. I think him. white people start stop peaking physically. Uh, in high after school? 1960. After 1960, <laughs> after niggas took over. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it should have been that way because then we had to do our own work as white people. Yeah. We should we should be peaking now. Well, you know, back to the idea of like <laughs> white people being scared of a black planet or like fear of a of a black cat, whatever it is. Like in my high school, and I remember when I talked about my, uh, I do that bit that you saw I did last night right. about uh, being a one white on all black football team. And I talked about, I was afraid I was going to trip over a dick in the locker room. Because, you know, these, and I remember Brian Sclero came, and I love Brian. He's a great comic. He was like, he's like, Bill, what are you going up there doing, like, black dick jokes? I'm like, Who said this to you? Brian Sclero. And I was oh, like, Brian's motherfucker, that was my high school. Wait a minute, is that the dude, white dude, glasses? 
No, Brian Scalero is a guy. He, you know Brian Scalero. Was it Brian Scalero? I'm thinking of a Brian, the other guy. He's like he- Brian's heavy. He's got a round face. He talks. He has a really deep voice. He talks about okay, sneezing no. and gotcha. farting, no, and no, but not no, big no. black dicks. No, but yeah, he he hated that I talked. And I go, well, so he gave just, you shit. Yeah, and I go, well, that was. He goes, yeah, another comic doing a joke about big black dicks. I'm like, that was my high school. My quarterback was 135 pounds, and his dick had to be 20 pounds of it. And I was sitting there as this little white guy. And I also think, like, let's get into it. Maybe I'll be, be charged. But black guys just went through puberty sooner, at least sooner than me in my well, high school. Well, listen, we know that there's, uh, and you talked about it a little bit last night about stereotypes yeah. being true. There's some truth to it. That's how as, they got to as, be there. As negative as it is, there's truth to it. Um, and it's like, look, do all black guys have big dicks? The majority, I guess, do. <laughs> But there are exceptions to the rules. Just like there's, look, there's white tigers that exist in the wild. <laughs> yeah. We know they're there. There's not many of them, but we know they're there. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I was on the way over here. I was a little late because I was stuck in some traffic. And you're black. Uh, well, no. But, but it, 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 it works itself out. I was late because I was, I was um, let me just say it. I was fucking a white bitch. And this bitch was an albino tiger. I mean, built. She had Atlanta stripper body. Oh yeah. I mean, ass, thighs, and I and I was fucking, and I'm going. I gotta hurry up and be done <laughs> so I can get to this fucking podcast. And it was really, literally down the street. It was, it was by the 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 the, the Beverly Center. Yeah. So, um. So when I called you and you were late, that's where you were. You were still there. Because you didn't answer your traffic. phone. I you didn't answer your traffic. phone. You didn't answer your phone when I called. When I texted you. Well, yes, you, I was just a pussy. You were, quote, unquote, <laughs> stuck <laughs> in traffic. I was, yes, I was stuck in traffic. Traffic is code for pussy. Yes. Um, uh, but this was a bad bitch. And she's going to come to the show tonight at 11. You're going to see what I'm talking about. This bitch is a, this bitch is a monster. <laughs> Niggas that love white women. This is pure, unbelievable, cut, uncut cocaine. Nigga. This is pussy in its purest form. But I'm saying that to say there are exceptions to the rule. Now, I shouldn't say this, but... I wish I was packing, nigga. I'm not. I, yeah. I, 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 me and Andy, we did a show, and we're gonna go back there actually in two weeks to Memphis. Uh, Chuckles. Chuckles, which is an all-black club. And I remember I did the radio station. I just was like, the two stereotypes, I don't, I don't uphold is I can't play basketball. Yeah. And my my my, my dick don't make noise when it hit the table. <laughs> <laughs> it just I'm not small. Yeah. But I'm not fucking. Yo, this is, this is, we got to hang this nigga. He's a threat. <laughs> so they have to call in a stunt double. Yeah. You, yeah. 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 So I, my shit is, and I uh, wish it was, because to be a black guy, and, I, and I'm not a, well, I, now I'm a better dancer, but <laughs> back in the day, I, I, I moved like Elaine on Seinfeld, nigga. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm an exception to the rule when it comes to basketball and dicks. Yeah. I got to tell you this story real quick. I was driving, I was doing a show with Jackson McQueen, and I'm going to, blow up his spot right now and Matt Reif when we were driving to Vegas you know how you're on the road eventually you start talking about dicks eventually and we were talking about dick pics and, how, and Matt was like and it was hey, just you and him me Matt Reif and Jackson McQueen in the back there's no reason the black guy was in the back but he was in the back and, Jackson uh, McQueen sounds like he does hair do you know Jackson McQueen no it just sounds like he does okay, hair so he's a, he's a black dude and he right. and, uh, and we were talking about dick pics and Matt Reif is like yo man like you know I've closed with some dick pics like it looks pretty. I was like, "Oh, good for you, Matt." I was like, "I was like, yeah, me too, man. We're doing pretty." And we like kind of did like the, the white boy fist bump. Like, "Yeah, man, we're doing all right." right. And Jack's like, "Yeah, man, man my, my dad get he has like a little uh, stuff." Yeah, my, my dad, you know, it, it, it okay, but it ain't like porn porn size. Like, oh, that's okay, Jackson. He's like, "Yeah, man, it's only nine and a quarter inches." And I was like, almost fucking like hit my brakes. Like, mother, what porn are you watching? <laughs> You're definitely not watching the Asian porn that I guess I'm watching. <laughs> So whatever your perception of like, eh, it ain't hit the table. It's probably it'll probably put us to shame either way. But whatever. <laughs> I, I I break some stereotypes. Uh, I can play basketball. Really? Yeah, but my dick ain't big. So that was <laughs> okay. So you even out. Yeah, and even as you say that, I'm looking at you like motherfucker. You can't play basketball. I can play basketball. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where do we? Go? How do we get to this subject? Of course. Yeah, it just it just it just fell off the rails. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were talking about. Uh, coming up in school yeah i want to know how like how you i want let's like tarantino this and go back to like how it how it all started for you like how were you, was it something you were always interested in this is when bruce willis walks back into the room because uh. he forgot his watch <laughs> right. and you go go um <laughs> you know dude i always knew i just wanted to be famous like, oh really? I, I just like i knew i didn't want to live a quote-unquote 
regular life. Yeah. And, and I always had a knack for making people laugh and trying to be the center of attention. Did you have a big family? You had a family where you had to compete to get laughter? No, nah, not really. My dad my dad was, was the funniest dude in the group. And my mom had her own kind of uh, dry dry wit, but at the same time, rawness. Like, 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 for instance, you know, my parents were unconventional. Like, where most parents go, hey, the kids can't watch this movie. It's rated R. Don't curse around it. My family, my family did everything. Like we, we were me and my as a, at a young age, I was allowed to watch R-rated movies. My dad took me at seven to go see uh, the the original F- Death Wish Holy with shit. Charles Bronson, yeah, which has the most horrific rape scene <laughs> next to the accused with Jodie yeah. Foster, and that's traumatizing yeah. to a kid. But I grew up watching those kind of movies, yeah, and 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 black people, you know, we very uh, we can get very animated yeah. when we get together and get liquor involved sure. and start playing spades and dominoes and like almost remember that scene the opening scene in Raw when um, Eddie's family and Sam Jackson's and that and he tells the dirty joke and he goes he kicked him in the ding ding thank you <laughs> and Sam Jackson goes that boy got talent <laughs> like a lot of black families are like that sure where yeah. they just you know motherfuckers get that liquor in them and they just mm-hmm. boy what that motherfucker do and it, they just that's who they are Yeah. so I, I grew up watching Richard Pryor and listening to Red Fox and at, at such a young age that I had no filter, yeah, and and I'm all, and I'm really thankful uh, to my parents for that because yeah. I really think it helped make me the comic that I am. Absolutely, uh, I, I'm I'm so not into this pussy ass moist era of stand up that we're in, which is why it's like, look, I like performing at the Laugh Factory, but sometimes you know because that's such a young demographic. The oohs and ahs and the fucking, oh, like you motherfuckers make me sick. Yeah. Like, I, I come from that Lenny Bruce, yeah, in your fucking face, fuck you kind of style of comedy. And I, I just, I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you, have you ever had to apologize for a joke? I, I know a lot of comics, I would never, ever apologize never. for a joke. Never. And, 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 I, and, I, and I'll say here that I never will, but I also don't have the kind of money that makes you contradict yourself where 15 managers and agents call you go motherfucker you better do a retraction right so maybe who knows maybe well, if i get to that level yeah so like when kevin hart did the whole thing because I, I don't didn't quite follow with, with the oscars he had a, a homophobic tweet i guess homophobic tweet for you nine could regard it from nine years ago right. and people were like and at first he's like you know what hey if you don't want me for the oscars because of that like right too bad and everyone's like yeah and then two days later he's like i really apologize for that I know yeah. a lot of people's hearts broke for that, but what did you think about that? You know, listen, there's no denying Kevin is a big brand. Yeah. And he's he's a smart businessman, and he's very into protecting his brand. Um, so I guess I get it. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I would have been more curious to know if he hadn't apologized, would the Oscars have dropped him? Yeah. Because it didn't seem like they were going to drop him. He just bowed out. Yeah. So it would have been interesting to see had he not apologized what their take on it but, would have been. But I like the if you're going to apologize, I like that he said it. I, I didn't like that he apologized. Yeah. And I don't think you should apologize for a nine-year-old tweet, only because the, the the mistake we're making right now is that when we go back and we look at what people did years ago and we don't see their improvement as a person and yeah. see the growth because the country's grown, people have grown, our, our culture's grown. So why wouldn't the person grow as well yeah and if you can see that growth in that person there's no need to apologize yeah and he said that simply i addressed this a long time ago and that's where he could he could have stopped but he did say uh i don't i'm not gonna i'm gonna drop out of the oscars but if i hurt anybody i, I apologize for, yeah. for that now and so that i felt was not about the money because he was already right he was already saying i'm not going to take this job yeah maybe for other income or things that he had on the table and right. other other productions that he had yeah. going on but i felt like that was that was less for protection and more for just being that he wanted to apologize for people. Maybe that he was aware of maybe letters that he got of people that he that, that did find it yeah. hurtful. But do we not grow as people? Do we not grow as a culture? It was also an interesting idea. Like I apologize if I hurt somebody. But if you if you have the capacity to do comedy and to speak and to think and to say your thoughts, you're always going to hurt somebody. Always. So it's like you're apologizing. Yeah, I mean to walk through this 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 mental minefield of which way do I go? Do, do I turn left? Do I turn right? Am I doing too much? Did I say this? I just I just think it's preposterous. And yeah. and, 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 and we kind of talked about it on, on our podcast. Um, 
it, it's it's like, dude, man. At the end of the day, I, I compared it to prohibition. Yeah. Like we're, we're in such an, an era where you're trying to tell people what they can't say, what they can't listen to, what's acceptable, what's not, and and I feel like, look, first of all, this is America. And we are the cockiest country in the world in terms of we do what the fuck we want to do. Yeah. And people love to laugh. People love guilty pleasures. People love to do what necessarily is deemed bad for you. Yeah. So it's the reason why you'll never get rid of liquor. You'll never solve the drug war in America. Yeah. As bad as drugs are, and I'm not condoning it, people need vices. Yeah. So if, if you want to, you know, you got to toot some cocaine or shoot your line or take your pills. Again, I'm not condoning drug use. But people look for an escape. Yeah. And people want to feel good. So as much as we're all trying to be politically correct, I think there will come a time when all of this backfires tremendously. Yeah. Because just like with alcohol, people want to drink. They want to, they want some people fuck better with whiskey dick. Some people feel good. It drops your 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 guard. It makes you, you know, gets rid of your inhibitions and it gives you strength, liquid courage. So however it works for you, no one wants to be told you can't have that. Yeah. And 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 I think still to this day the best comedy is comedy that makes people go, "Oh shit. Yo, did you hear what that of motherfucker course, said? Yeah. Yo, it's crazy." Like even, you know, the last couple nights here at the Laugh Factory, again, I I I hear it. I see the rea- I see the looks on people's faces. But what I love even more is when after the show they come up to me and go, "Fucking dude, when you said that and when you did this and <laughs> People want that, man. You just did a white guy for sure, by the did way. Did I really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, bro. Uh, so do you think that, because when you started, you started in the late 90s or 95, 90? Mm, probably uh, late 90s. Because that was the first wave of PC stuff. Early 90s, like 90, 90, yeah. 90, 92. Yeah, and I think that's when the first wave of PC stuff was happening, and then it was big, and then it went away. Do you feel that comedy, as you've been going, it's? do you feel like it's changed? Do you feel that audiences have changed that much? Or do you feel like from then till now? Yeah, I don't really. When you just say when you say it started getting PC in the nineties, I don't think so. I think it started getting PC in the last five years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's pussy shit. Yeah, it's, it's pussy shit. Yeah, you know, as long you know, as long as you're not physically hurting anybody or denying rights. Who doesn't know that when you walk into a comedy club, this is what it is? Yeah. It's it's no different from seeing, you know, when you went and saw Terminator and you saw Arnold Schwarzenegger shoot a bunch of cops, it's fantasy. Yeah. It's not reality. It's, it's it's you know, so some of what we say is based in reality. You know, obviously comedy is based in some form of reality, but sometimes it's just fantasy. It's made up shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, none of this shit is supposed to be taken seriously. Yeah. You know? and, and do you feel as a comic, you feel like you have to explain that more nowadays? You shouldn't have to. But do you, do you still feel like, based on the reactions, you're like, I got to make sure. Because Joe Rogan, on his like, special, he's always like, just so you know, he, he does a disclaimer. And I'm always like, that's weird, but I also get it. Because you shouldn't have to, but I feel like comics more and more say, I guess this might be offensive. They almost have to preface what they're saying. But you just go out, balls, right. you don't give a shit, right? But th- there's a difference right now. The difference is before... 10 years, uh, 10, 12 years ago, I'll say 12, 12 years ago, when you had people that came in to see you do comedy, you might have 500 people in a room, you could do a theater, you could have 2,000 people, 5,000 people in a room, and they saw you do comedy, and you affected them at that moment. But now that you can put out a post, and you can write what the person said, and give your interpretation to that person, and maybe even video if you have it, that's not shared with just 5,000. That could be shared with 50,000, 100,000 yeah. people. And now, out of that 100,000 people, if you offended one out of 5,000, would you care? But now, what's the number now that you're offending more, and now more people are on board, and then that get posted at two people that are looking to be offended. Yeah. And now you have an avalanche of offense. Yeah. And that's well, what it comes from. Not- well, I think that's part of what's dangerous about social media, is in a post, you can't have context. Of course. You know what I'm saying? When you say something on stage... There's a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. So when you hear something within context, you still might get offended, but you ha- you have a real perspective of what's actually being said and what's the end result. Yeah. Whereas with a post, you're getting a snippet of somebody's thought or opinion, and if you don't really know what's behind that, then you don't know how to interpret that. Yeah. And then you run with that and go, this person said this, and this is how they feel, and blah blah blah. It's like you know, it's like with the word, uh, you know, fag. And, and, and I saw where Nick Cannon, 
kind of halfway attacked. I think it was Chelsea Handler, Sarah Silverman, and Amy Schumer saying, you guys are giving Kevin shit about saying homophobic shit. But all of them have said it and said fag. And it's like, you know, again, because we are so PC. Yeah. The times are so delicate. You can't even utter the word. Yeah. But we all we know there's a difference between, hey, man, let's go kill some faggots. Yeah. Versus, dude. You got on fucking speedos, you fucking fag. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we it's it's not meant in a derogatory, demeaning, hateful way. It's just something you say because it's like it's it's part of the vernacular. Yeah. Versus, dude, I hate these fucking queers. Of course. Let's go kill them. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Now, do you, what do you think about the moral equivalency of? of I, I got to hold up. I got to go back for a second. Yeah. And to a great Dave Chappelle bit, but and I'm only bringing this up because back to this white broad. Yeah. Uh, again, when I tell you this bitch was ridiculous, nigga. Yeah. I mean, you look at this bitch and go, "What's the rent? I'll pay you rent." <laughs> she's that bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. But at one point, like she's from Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, she's got a black style to her. So a couple of times we talking, we in the throes of passion, and she comfortably, nigga and niggas and niggas. And, Wait, during sex? Yes. And 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 this bitch is saying nigga to me like it's saying good morning. Yeah. And like that great Dave joke when he goes, if a white girl sucking my dick and she goes, come in my face, nigger, I'm not going to. And he does this motion where he whips his dick out of her mouth and goes, oh, he goes, I'm getting I'm busting that nut, ladies and gentlemen. This is no time for ethics. So it's again, I know she don't mean it in. Yeah. Hang this nigger. Yeah. She's part of nigger. It's part of the rhythm. Yeah. Now, would I be bothered if my dick wasn't in her mouth? Yes. Yes. But my dick was in her mouth. Yeah. yeah. She said, them niggas, I went, girl, them niggas do. <laughs> that's where, it. I think that's where the the, uh, the the A came from. Yes. Because it can't say hard R when the dick's in your mouth. Exactly. Yo, I'm going to tweet that right now. Not, no, I'm not going to tweet that. It won't be in context. Aries, you tweet that. You tweet that. I can't tweet that. It won't be in context. But it's funny because you, you said, and again, I have a problem saying the F word-ish to a degree. Fuck. Fag. Oh, fag. You know, so- but you say fact, but at the same time, like if I say the N word, right? And Lucy Gay has that great bit about like, don't say the N word. You're making me fill in the blanks. Take some fucking responsibility for the word. Right. Who says this? Lucy K. Lucy K. Right. He goes, I hate when people say. He goes, I'm sick of the N word. I hate Not that word. The word. Eh, no, I hate the I hate N word because say you're making people fill in the blanks of what you're thinking, which is take some goddamn responsibility for your language. So, but what do you think about that? What do you think about the idea that? Because I still think now, if a white, particularly now, if a white person, I don't care. Who well, let's you let's are. do this. Let's do this because for the listeners of Bill's podcast, yeah, he, he's after this, he's going to jump on the Spears and Steinberg podcast, <laughs> and this is the moment where I'm going to do a shameless plug. Uh, you've been listening to Aries Spears and Andy Steinberg of the Spears and Steinberg podcast, and if you've liked what you've heard so far, <laughs> you can download it on iTunes or you can go to Spearsberg.com or AriesSpears.com for all your Samsung, Galaxy, Android, and other (laughs) smartphone uses. That being said, and also email me at AriesSpears45 at Hotmail.com for all your racial concerns, (laughs) opinions, and I will address it on my podcast. Now, I'm saying all that to say, let's put a pin in that because Uh when you do our podcast, (laughs) we're going to dive deeper into that in regards to Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and Ricky Gervais and oh, the controversy. I remember that. And I the remember controversy that whole thing that Chris Rock is catching from the black community. That was so crazy. To me. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah, but a similar topic. Do you remember when Daniel Tosh was at the Laugh Factory? I think this is like 2008 or 2009, and he said, "If you if you've ever said blank isn't funny, like as a general statement, this thing isn't funny. I hate you to the core of my soul." Mm-hmm. And a woman in the balcony said, "Rape isn't funny." Right, and off the cuff, he said, "Well, it'd be funny right now. If five guys got up and just gang raped you right now in the middle of the show." Now, pause which, there, which isn't a great pause comeback, there. but like, yeah, I don't think that's a good one. It's not, that's but harsh. at the same time, it is harsh. But the audience laughed. And did he, they really? They did yeah, laugh because it was it's in the context packed. of the time at the moment. Because that's like George Carlin when he goes, uh, he said the same thing. People say rape isn't funny, but then he goes, "Picture Porky Pig raping Donald Duck." <laughs> so. Uh, well, then there's gay rape. Is gay rape funny? Like, I mean, how many prison rape jokes are there that people don't have a problem with? Right. Um, I think anything can be funny, and that's the greatness of the comedian, how you execute it. Yeah, How, sure. you, how you make it funny. 
Yeah. Uh, I think anything could be funny. Um, I remember Dan Cook when he did the joke where he goes, he talks about abortions, and he goes, what if you went to heaven and saw the babies that got killed or that you had killed? And he goes, hey, little fella, what's your name? Abe. Abe abortion <laughs> so you know whatever man yeah, yeah yeah you know i i just don't think you should put a limit on anything but isn't, that, isn't that the goal isn't that the, the the super goal of every comic that 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 achievement is to take the most horrible horrific idea and make you laugh at it isn't that the our whole goal our purpose to serve is to take what is unbearable in life and put some light into it and make people laugh. I, I think that every comic would love to have the ability to do that. Yeah. But that's a very unique skill. It well, is. Fucking, Not everybody has that ability. Uh, and some I, people, I do. <laughs> 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 well, you know, go, you know, going back to, to Chappelle, after the Louis C.K. thing happened and he said, he goes, this girl says she quit the business because... He was jerking off on the phone. You ever heard of hanging up, bitch? And he was like, you, he called her a brittle-ass bitch. Yeah. And, I, and I tweeted uh, something like, I forget, and I probably shouldn't tweet it, but I, t- I was like, wow, it's great Dave Chappelle said that if a white comic had said that, they would be out of the business. I don't know about that. You don't, don't think so? I, I don't again, think so. I, I think there's a way to say everything and anything. Um, just how you, that's and again that's the mark of a of a genius it has comic. to be how you do it but yeah. it has the it has it, the worse it is the funnier it has to be yeah but and 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 if you can make it the funniest it has to be that's a testament to your greatness yeah you but, but but the word but that is it i mean if you're going to take if you if you want to do a rape joke your joke has to be funnier than rape the best rape joke i've ever heard it has to be funnier than rape that's yeah. not a high bar the funniest rape joke i've ever heard uh patrice o'neill when he did his hbo half hour special and he talked about mike tyson Uh i don't know i don't know if you remember that no but he 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 talked about mike tyson and how uh basically he didn't believe mike did it based off what desiree washington said because at first she was like oh my god he forced oral sex on me and he was like, damn, that's fucked up. He made you suck his dick? She was like, no, no, he ate my pussy. <laughs> and he goes, that's where I knew the shit was bullshit. Because what rapist wants to make a woman feel wonderful? <laughs> and he goes, you can't even make a rapey face as you're eating the pussy. And he did this thing where he's peeling the pussy lips back. And with his tongue, he's trying to eat pussy. And then he was like, bitch, shut up. Nobody hear you screams. Help, help. He's eating my pussy. Shut up. As I pull the hood back and expose your clitoris for maximum <laughs> stimulation. Shut up, bitch. Nobody hear you screams. And the audience lost it. Yeah. Now, again, when you look at taboo subjects, rape, racism, abortion, uh, anything homosexual, those are all landmines. Yeah. But like any bomb... It can be diffused. Yeah. So if you got the skills to diffuse the bomb, yeah, you the shit. Well, that's a good point because do you think if Patrice O'Neill was unknown and he went to the Hollywood Laugh Factory on Saturday night and people didn't know right. the cult of Patrice O'Neill and he did that joke, do you think people would would laugh or were they just here's, be- what, here's what the greatness of Patrice, he wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah. And he would expose the audience and going, I don't give a fuck. And through his, I don't give a fuck. He'd find a way to make that funny. Yeah, yeah, And eventually yeah. the audience would get on board. Dude, I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to sit here and toot my own horn or make me seem like I'm at the Patrice Dave level because I know mm-hmm. I'm not, even though I strive you, to be that. You are, man. I love watching the switch. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I'm on stage and I'm doing a joke about retards and faggots, and you could feel in the audience people's asses swell up. <laughs> But I know it's fucking hilarious, yeah. and they know it's hilarious. All I got to do is make them go, you know this is fucking hilarious. Because yeah. they want to go, it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when you do it, and they fight you, and they fight you, and they fight you, and you finally get them to where they can't fight it no more, that's when they come up to you and go, nigga, you the shit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like trying to get some pussy. Yeah. Bitch keep telling you no. Now, again, and we I'm not advocating rape, but you know, as a dude, I could fuck this bitch. Yeah, yeah. And of course, she's going to let the morals and the mental, no, I got to get up in the world morning, I got to do work, I don't blah, 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 blah. Whatever, bitch. Keep plugging. And if you keep plugging what you know she wants to do, yeah, yeah. Eventually, the floodgates open. Yeah. And when they do, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, now, now, disclaimer. 
if she says no, it's no. Of course. But come on, nigga, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We've seen that look. Well, you know, I wanted, so the song Baby is Called Outside, right? Is sort of like now universally banned. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's it right? called? Baby, it's, it's cold, cold outside. outside. You know, baby, it's cold outside. I, I, I don't want to sing. It's an old Christmas song. It's an old Who Dean Martin. It? Yeah. It's white people. It's D- No, no, don't do that. Well, I'm telling you why. Because I love me some Dean Martin. I know, but I'm telling you why I'm doing this. Baby, it's cold outside. You can't say baby, it's cold, but you can Superman that hoe. No, rap music has not been put up on the same sort of chopping block well, as all these like white standards that have rape. Rape culture Because it's white men singing it Yeah so, so Yeah there's a, there's a target on white men's backs right now Thank you for saying that Aries Yeah dude you guys You can't do shit But there's yeah. a lot and of it's There's a lot of us though So they can take a lot out, out down So do you, do you Okay and, and I want to talk about like urban clubs Do you feel like go. this PC thing is in the urban scene And in the urban clubs in the same way Or do you think they've No kind because of, the same rules don't apply to us That apply to y'all And secondly Y'all's Uh uh, repercussions have been long overdue. Yeah. So nobody of nobody black is feeling sympathy for white men being checked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You motherfuckers ain't been checked for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time. Yeah. Niggas I'm with is, you. Niggas is sitting back going, God, now let me do my Paul Mooney now. You white motherfuckers have been long overdue, nigga. All of you white motherfuckers have gotten away with so much for so long. Niggas are celebrating. Niggas are going, finally, that white man is paying, nigga. Oh, my God. You never paid us. Now you have to pay the irony, nigga. The fucking irony, nigga. That is the best Paul Mooney impre- ever. Nigga, you don't have to tell me. I know what I've been doing. <laughs> I, came up I wish with, you could see his face right now. It's with, so perfect. I came up with Richard, nigga. Richard, <laughs> I, Richard and I, we wrote all of this shit, nigga. Yeah. We know how you white people are. You think you're slick. <laughs> We're like Santa Claus. We see you when you're sleeping. We see you when you're naughty. We know you niggas are nice. Man, I wish Paul Mooney was like a bigger household name so that impression could get Dude, more that traction. Is, that, is, that is one of the, the biggest things I had always hoped for because I would go, and you know, black people know who Paul is. Of course. Um, to us, But even young generations probably don't. They probably don't, but also, unless you're a diehard comedy junkie. Yeah. You don't know who Paul is, white and black. Yeah. But for the people that know him, I go places and people go, yo, dog, you got to do Paul. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I can't because I'm in a room that's predominantly mixed. Yeah. So, yeah, the niggas laugh, but white people will be going, who, who is this? Who is this Paul Mooney for? Right, so. When did you first discover that you could do impressions? Because I think that, I always look at, the, there are certain things I consider like real skills. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like singing is a skill for me. Right. Uh, dancing is a skill. Impressions are a skill. I feel like comedy, if you just work your ass off and you sit there and write like a goddamn nerd, you can come up with 20 minutes and kill. Right? Yeah, but you still got to have some skill. I, yeah, yeah, you still have some skill. Don't you think there are some comics you're like, wow, they worked hard and now I, here I, they I, are. I think the ones who don't really have skill, uh-huh. if they put together a 30-minute set, they got one or two great jokes. Yeah. Jokes that make you go, God damn, I wish I, th- I thought of that. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Motherfuckers with skill maintain. Yeah. You, you never saw a Chappelle show and went, 20 minutes was whack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah. motherfucker's like a hot rapper. If he's got 20 tracks on that CD, 19 are fire. Yeah. There might be one joke you go, I ain't feel that. Yeah. But you've never looked at a Dave Chappelle special and went, man, half yeah. of that shit was garbage. Yeah. You've never seen Patrice's elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. I dare you to find the weak spot. Yeah. Look at Bill Burr. Most of, uh, The only special by Bill Burr I kind of thought was, eh, was his last one yeah. where he wore the uh, cowboy shirt and shit. But everything else, I dare you to find a weak spot. Yeah. So it's still skill, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you're so, a, great, a great writer can't work his way out of a bad bit. Like if you're a great writer, but the bit's not hitting because of your audience. Yeah. You, you, if you don't have that, that other, that other tool. But if you're a great writer, uh, and you depend only on the writing. If you depend only on the writing, but if you're a great writer up here, yeah, you know how to find. But you still have to be able to do it. In front I, I, I of say people. it's like football, man. You, you got to call audible. So you, you being a great quarterback, you got your, you got your playbook, yeah. your material. That's your playbook. Yeah, but when shit ain't going right, you gotta be able to call that audible, baby. Yeah, that crowd work, find a way to get you up out that shit. And you're a performer, so what do you think about the the slew of comics that have the notepads and they go up and tell jokes from notepads and the joke bombs, 
part of their laughs are just going, huh, and then they go back to their notepad, and audiences laugh at them being metatheatrical and going to their notepad. I mean, you know, I don't want to name names, but you know what I'm talking about. Does that just drive you fucking apeshit? Do you feel like that's shouldn't be rewarded because I feel like nah, it has not, been? Not, it just it depends on how you deal with the moment. Yeah. Like I, I've done that. Like I'll I'll go up with a with a piece of paper or something, and if it bombs, I make fun of the fact that it bombed. Yeah. Um, but also, if it does well, I make fun of the fact that hey, that worked. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't I don't fault that. I just I, I, again, when you're talking about skill, I think crowd work. Uh, and, and Andy and I, as we talk about this on our podcast, I liken so much of what we do to professional sports. Sure. Like, if you look at basketball, um, some guys are just phenomenal rebounders, and that's all they do. Some guys just bring defense. But, again, if I'm going to be great, I want to be Jordan. I want to yeah. be known for being able to do it all, dunk, defense, rebound, basketball IQ, fucking passing, just everything. Yeah. So when you look at stand up, you know, crowd work is one thing. Uh, improvising is one thing. Your playbook is another thing. I won't say impressions because that's such a unique thing and everybody can't do that. But just being able to just do all those different facets. Yeah. So if you're in a situation that presents itself dealing with hecklers, yeah. Uh, all of that is a unique skill. So when you get caught in something, you're not like a deer in headlights. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. how to go, okay, I know how to adapt to this. And I know how to make this work for me. Yeah. Instead of being fucked. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When did you first learn about your skills and impressions? Was that something you always had as a kid, or did you just from from day one? That was probably the first thing. You started impressions as your first. Yeah, because I, I I was a I was a latchkey kid, so uh, growing up in a single parent household until my dad eventually came and lived with us, it was just me and my mom and my sister. So she worked two jobs to try to make ends meet. And uh, I would just plant myself in front of the TV, and I was just watching shit. And my mother's a jazz blues singer. So I just grew up with a lot of entertainment, cultural shit. Yeah. Uh, and one of my first impressions ever was uh, Louis Armstrong. You know. Uh, yeah. You say potato, I say potato. Let's call the whole thing out. Like yeah. that, because my mother, jazz. Yeah. And plus my mother and father would play that when they would be fucking in the room. <laughs> So I know whenever I heard tomato, tomato, I said, oh, Pops is fucking. Um, and then again, coming up in the 80s, you know, Bill Cosby and all of that shit. So I, I just that's just something that was in my repertoire early. Yeah. Yeah. So when you did your first do you remember your first stand up set? Do you remember what you did? Oh, dude, I I, uh, I did. I did a place called Uptown Comedy Cafe in Harlem. And they even had a TV show about it uh -huh. on at the time little local shit but me my mom and my sister we first went to the improv in manhattan and to get picked you had to basically draw your number out of a hat yeah and so all three of us put our numbers in none of us got it so feeling discouraged somebody said to me you know there's a club in harlem called uptown comedy so and you're 14 at this point 14 yeah so we took the train we went up there and I remember I had practiced it in my room, and the same thing I was going to do with the improv, I ended up doing there. And I just did three impressions. I did uh, Jack Nicholson, Eddie Murphy, and James Brown doing a Pepsi commercial. Oh, man. So I just came out on stage and did the three of them doing Pepsi bits. Do you remember it? I don't, man. And, 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 and I really don't. Um, but it was what it was, and, and the reaction was so... Oh, then yeah. I, from there I was hooked. Yeah. Um, and and that's how it that's how it kind of began, man. Yeah. Do you remember the first impression that sort of caught like traction and people started like, rec you know, asking for you and say, hey, man, do this one, do this one, do this one. Was one the first like you're like, oh man, this is the one that's going to get me a development probably, deal. Probably not. <laughs> probably after I did the thing that blew up on a on YouTube when I did the rappers. I was in San oh, Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. Dude just happened to play the music and shoot it. And it got like 17 million hits. Jeez. Back uh, then, too. Back then, yeah. Good God. And it was climbing. And, and, and at some point, I guess the radio station had to take it down. And even after they took it down, it got an additional seven. So if they'd have kept it up, it would it, it, it got over 20 million views. Yeah. But after that, everybody was just like, yo, do the Jay-Z. Do the, do the rap. Do the... Yeah, you yeah. Know? So that, that was probably... The most thing does that bug you because i know steve martin in his book born standing up he talked about he did the king tot and he'd go up like oh, i'm gonna do this new stuff and people like 
Duke King Thud. Well, that's Dude, like he's what, like, fuck that's this. That's like with Chappelle, when everybody's going, yeah, what? I'm Rick James, bitch. And he oh. wants to try to do material, but yeah. people are yelling that out. Um, I don't mind doing it, and I'll do it, but I do it when I feel like doing it. Yeah. Um, Cause, cause I, 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 you know, and much love and respect to my man, Frank Caliendo, and I love Frank to death, cause Frank always put me on the NFL and oh the, yeah, all the Fox Sports shit he was doing when he was doing it, and I remember we did the uh, Super Bowl halftime show, which I think drew eighty four million viewers. So this motherfucker put bread in my pocket and yeah. exposure. So I love Frank, uh, but I always felt like, and I and I gotta swear to God, this is no slight to Frank. Um, but that's what that's 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 all Frank does. Yeah, like he'll go on stage and his whole act is impressions. And and God bless him because he's a beast. Yeah. But I never wanted to be viewed as a one trick pony. Sure. I never wanted people to go, man. He's and I and I and I hear people say that to this day. Some people, man, all he does is impressions. If you take away the Jay Z and the DMX, he 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 only good at doing other people. Yeah. Motherfucker, you ain't seen me on stage. Yeah. Because I I can do a show and not do one. Do you do that intentionally sometimes? You're like, I'm going to do no impressions this show. No, it's not all. intentional. I just don't want to force it. Yeah. If I don't have a good bit behind the impression, and we talked about that last night because I said on stage, and we're going to mention this on, on our podcast, your natural speaking voice, I went, this motherfucker Bill sounds like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And I said, Matt, dude, you don't do that? And then I thought, you said last night you were like, uh, I, I don't have a bit for it. Yeah. So I don't just want to go, and here's my. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eddie Murphy, when he did 48 Hours, one of the greatest specials ever, the impressions were kick ass. What, with 48 was, Hours, you mean? I mean, I mean, I mean. Um, delirious? Delirious. Or, okay. The impressions were kick ass, but it was the bits. Yeah. When he did Elvis, uh, remember right before he croaked, he had the, the, the shitty walk on the stage. I live, a life is full. And he sounded like, when he hit those notes, I have a leech and everybody. Like, and then he. Excuse me. <laughs> Great bit. Yeah, yeah. The honeymooners, Norton. Yeah, yeah. Up the ass, Norton. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. T. Yeah, boy, fuck me up the ass. Like it was just the bits. Were, the, the the bits were as strong as the impressions. Yeah. And sometimes I see dudes do impressions, and I go, solid impression, but the bit is weak. Yeah, of when course. You get married to two. Of course. That's genius, man. Yeah. That's fucking genius. Yeah, that's why I love like your Jay Z bit so much too. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you know, you know, I just want to let you know Frank is trying to do more material. Is like, he really? Yeah, because he 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 he's felt tired like of you it. said like you said he felt stuck. Right. And he wanted to do more. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's like a lot of comics who do uh, like guitar. Yeah, and, or they and, sing. Any like, character. Anytime you make it yourself a character, I think you get stuck at, at yeah. some point. Yeah, that's like me, like not trying to do sh- physical shit. And I feel like sometimes if I'm in a crowd, I'm like, I'm just going to sit here on a chair and talk to people. And then I was like, I'm gonna have to break out some some breakdancing moves because they're not laughing. <laughs> but but you could imagine Emo Phillips being anything else but of course Emo Phillips. Yeah, and then Jeff Dunham isn't going to go up there and do an, an hour, hour without his puppets. Right. I mean, look when when you even if you have the one thing that you do, if you're a ninth degree black belt in that one thing, yeah, then that's your lane, and nobody can fuck with you. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Dunham might be the Michael Jordan of puppets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and if that's his thing, that's his thing. Yeah, and God bless him because if it works for you, who's to tell you how to eat? Yeah. You know, people give carrot top shit, but this motherfucker's had a residency in Vegas. Of course, for how long? Paid. Yeah. He's rich. And there's there's something to be said for the fact that going finding a niche and sticking to it and finding what your niche is and developing it is a great idea. And and I remember one point I I don't even remember this areas, but I I went on stage as a Russian. Years ago, a character, a character, right. and Jamie was like, "Buddy, you can only do Russian for the next." I made Jamie Russian all of a sudden. He said, "He goes, buddy, you got to do the." For, he goes, "You can't go on stage unless you do the Russian character," and I did it for about. He said, a, "You can't unless you it, go unless I do the Russian character." He won't let me go on let, stage. Let me let me stop you real quick. And you know, we love Jamie to death. Yeah, Jamie's my dude. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, we talked last night. He knows about my personal situation. And said, uh, buddy, if you need place to stay, you stay here at the back of the store, back of Fly Factory. So I love Jamie. Uh, but sometimes, and I, and I don't mean Jamie specifically, because Jamie does know what he's doing. He's yeah. built a fucking empire here. But there are some comedy club owners who feel like just because they run a club, they know comedy. Oh, it's yeah. like there's a reason why Jerry Jones is up in the skybox and not on the field. Yeah. Um, 
so I love Jamie to death, but sometimes Jamie's calls are so off. He's almost like a foreign dad with 16 daughters, and he knows the key to his American success is making his daughters give out the pussy. Like, he, he treats us like hooers. Like, like, buddy, you got to go, the audience is here, it's packed. Pussy, sell your pussy. Like, sometimes his calls are outrageous. Like, when I did the rap shit, uh, and it was so popular. Yeah. I remember I did it at the Laugh Factory, and it would fucking damn to get a standing ovation. Of course. Every fucking time I would come perform, buddy, you got to do that. You got to do that. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him, listen, man, some bits are like fine china. You only break that shit out on the holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, This yeah. is a special occasion bit. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. We don't eat the china on February 11th. <laughs> it's not a special moment. Yeah. You can't hoard a bit out. Yeah. It'll lose its value. Yeah. And one of the best moments I had, I remember uh, we were doing, I don't know if you ever knew about it or if you ever did it, but Jamie was doing that show at the Long Beach Laugh Factory about the judges. Remember oh, yeah, with, with Don Marrero, yeah. With Don Marrero. Don Marrero was the judge, and it was like comedy court. Yes. And we would have, I remember Paul Rodriguez. Supreme Court of Comedy. Supreme Court of Comedy. And we would have like the same setup as, you, as, as though you were watching Judge Judy. So Don Marrero would be the judge. And then you would have the defendant and the plaintiff and their attorneys who would be comics. And we would present real cases, but we would be comedic lawyers and find the comedy in the case. And I remember Paul Mooney was coming, and it was going to be me and Paul as the lawyers. Oh, great. And, dude, I, I was so happy Paul did it because it finally put in perspective what I was trying to tell Jamie. And the minute Paul showed up, he goes, Paul, Aries does the great impression of rappers. At one point... Uh, he's going to do rap impression. It'd be great if you could beatbox. And Paul went, I'm not fucking rapping, nigga. You see two niggas, you want a nigga to beatbox and another, another nigga to rhyme. I'm not fucking beatboxing, and that nigga ain't rhyming. Because you see two niggas, you want us to be a stereotype. Get the fuck out of here. And I think Paul's the only motherfucker that can talk to Jamie like Absolutely. that and still get spots. <laughs> and I had a look of shock on my face, but I was like, thank you, Paul. <laughs> God damn it. Because I didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah. And, I, and I was trying to tell Jamie, Jamie, you know, when I do that bit, I play a beat. Yeah. There's a flow. It's organic. Can we please not? Brother, you're going to do the rap. Yeah. Paul, we're not fucking <laughs> rapping, nigga. And I was like, oh, he saved me. Uh, it was great. You did yeah. a little Kermit the Frog right now. That, yeah, uh, Kermit. Yeah, that was By good. the way, your your impressions are so spot on. The only one that isn't is the Jamie one. For some reason, Jamie sounds a little bit. Yeah, Jamie, <laughs> everybody's impression of Jamie is what everybody's interpretation of Mitzi is. <laughs> yeah, Mitzi. Like, everybody's got an, an interpretation of what it is. I don't know that there's ever anyone that's correct. Yeah. But it is what it is. And now I got to put you on the spot. Oh, shit. Can you please the Matthew McConaughey? Oh, I mean, so, yeah. Uh, so I grew up, it's it's funny because I, I talk about how I, I'm like a mix, I'm half white, half trash. But but my brothers are both very successful and they're doctors. And so I, it's not really like like Trailer Park, it's one generation removed. I saw a video of me when I was 10 years old with my brothers. We've been interviewed because we were like soccer players. And my brother's like, well, I've been playing soccer for four years and I'm for it. And then every me, I was like, I've been playing soccer for about four years, and I'm a, and I had the most fucking redneck. <laughs> no one else in my family did, except for my mom. So I always had it. And when I went to school for acting, all they did was like we gotta get rid of that fucking accent, that accent. So you know, it was like doing Shakespeare. I was in acting school, like following. I'm like ing, I and ing. It's not following. You're not following someone. You're following. Ugh. So they weaned it out of me. And then when I got out of school, I found that the only parts I was getting were parts were like Southern dudes because it was my natural thing. So I've been trying to wean it out. And the funny, when I drink or when I'm tired, my Southern accent comes out a little bit more. And there was a time when I first got out of school where people, actually someone who worked for Matthew McConaughey is like, listen, sometimes Matthew McConaughey is like on a Coke bender and we need something to ADR for him. Would you be interested in ADRing for him? And of course I'm like, fuck yeah. And it never happened. But Somebody like his lawyer asked me to do that. So I used to do, and again, back to the impression thing. I, I would do this Matthew McConaughey thing and I would try to like couple with some other accents, but I just wasn't good enough at impressions. So that if I did one Matthew McConaughey impression in the middle of my set, it just felt weird. It's like, right. okay, you have your one impression that you do. Right. 
And I try to do other ones. Like I would do Homer Simpson and I would do like uh, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn and shit like that. I heard you kind of do Owen Wilson a, a little bit last <laughs> night. That wasn't bad either. It wasn't bad, but then I kind of feel like there's so many people who do it. And then there's also the idea that when you do impressions, and this is why I think Caliendo got so big because he didn't, like he does Nicholson and all that shit, but then he did like John Madden, yeah. which nobody's doing. And once you do impressions that nobody else is doing, it looks real and authentic and original. Me doing Owen Wilson's like, well, who the fuck else? Ten other people, twenty other people, thirty do Owen yeah, Wilson. Yeah, you know, I, I, but I can't reel them off. Yeah. Like when you talk about Christopher Walken, you could reel a few dudes off. That's Kevin true. Spacey, uh, 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 Jay Kevin Moore, Pollock, Kevin Pollack, Jay Moore is probably the most popular one. Craig Gass, yeah, Craig Gass. I, I don't, I can't reel off Owen Wilson's. Yeah, I guess you know that's I mean? true. Yeah, but I, I've seen guys on the internet do it. But they're no more famous than, you know, the guy across the street. Yeah. So that's funny. You know, I think maybe part of it is that I'm more where if if on my YouTube comments, if someone said that's a shitty Owen Wilson impersonation, that would hurt me more than someone listen, saying listen, but, but, but that's listen, a shitty joke. Here's the opposite. I've heard dudes do impressions of people that were shitty, and the comments are that's great. Yeah. So sometimes people's ears be doo doo, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back to it. You know, I, I do. I, like, right, I do. you've been fucking around. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, nigga. Okay, so I'll just put in the context of the joke I did. Oh, I, do the movie. Do the, just a, a, a well, soundbite. Yeah. So I, I say, I said, a girl said, you look like someone. And I go, maybe it was Matthew McConaughey. And the audience laughs because I don't look like him. I kind of do a little bit sometimes. Anyway, I go, I go, fuck you. I go, what do you think now? And I go, hey, think I like about high school girls. I keep getting older and older. They say the same age. And people go, whoo, and then they laugh about it. You know, like, oh, I can see it. But I, uh, that was the only sentence I've, I Also, I feel like you need the, the lines for the impression. You can't just improv. I, I'm not good enough to just improv right. the impression. Maybe you are, but I feel like if I, I don't know, maybe I'll do it. I, I think Matthew McConaughey buying groceries at the store or being a checker at the store. And <coughs> say, yeah. Like if I could, yeah, doing the if I could do it. I, uh, see, see, I'm going to sound like <laughs> Bill Clinton a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I see you got some Haagen-Dazs ice cream right there. It's pretty good ice cream. Have you ever had the pistachio? No, the maybe the chocolate, better yet, the strawberry. Like, I, I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I can't do it, but... Close. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you said Homer Simpson, I, I've never been able to do Homer, but I've flirted around with Marge. Homer, you said you were going to take Bart Lisa to school. <laughs> you got to take Bart before he gets suspended. <laughs> so, you know... Um, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so uh, one one story I want to ask you real quick about. Yeah. Uh, you, you you can be a controversial figure, you know, and on stage you can ruffle some feathers. Have you ever had a set on stage where shit just went tits up in a ditch? Where like, tits up uh, in a, ditch. Like a, a flash mob almost happened, people railroaded you out of town, yeah, pitchforks. And, 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 and it actually, it actually uh, taught me to stop being lazy. <laughs> uh, the first time I... Uh, Actually, it happened twice. The first time I did the popular rap bit where I did the rappers, yeah, I just was stuck on my own ego. So I thought I'm just gonna wing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went up at the comedy store and it was you know urban night, and I didn't write the rhymes. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give rap the respect that it deserves. I just thought I'll do the impressions. I'll say some silly shit, and it fucking tanked. And I thought, ah, fucking fluke. I'm me. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. So the second time I tried it, I was at Madison Square Garden, and this was right after the first year of Def Comedy Jam. So the tour was Bernie Mac, me, Bill Bellamy, Adele Givens, Reggie McFadden, and musical guest uh, Buster Rhymes. And I went out there and I did the same shit again. Only this time it was five thousand people. Booing. Jesus. Yeah. And that wait wall, booing booing. Uh, I fell on my ass. My mom was there. My friends was there. We were all supposed to hang out afterwards, go get dinner. I said nothing to nobody. I barely collected my check. And I walked from the garden back to my hotel, which was on uh, 50-something Street, just past Times Square. And if anybody, you know anything about New York, it takes 15 minutes to walk all them blocks because it's short. But it felt like 18 hours. Yeah. And I was Bill Bixby from the Hulk. <laughs> you could hear it. Doom, 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 doom. Doom, 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 doom. That fucking walk was the ending credits. <laughs> Me in the backpack, nigga. Uh, walking the freeway. <laughs> Cars going. Doom, doom, doom. Thumb out. 
Check it. It was lonely. <laughs> and I said, okay, I got to stop being lazy. Yeah. And I finally sat down, smoked me a, a blunt, and I went hard in the paint and wrote all the lyrics. And Because I, I had the impressions, but the lyrics yeah. were garbage. Yeah. And if you're going to do those dudes... You 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 got yeah, to have the lyrics because because mm-hmm. these are you doing top notch lyricists in the rap game yeah so you can't do it justice unless you say some shit that make people go holy shit Biggie would say that yeah Snoop would say that and yeah. then finally when I put it together and it happened at the uh, radio station in San Francisco boom viral boom. seventeen million blew up man yeah hey man I'm so glad you came out here Spirits and I'm so glad you came out here too Andy. <laughs> So we could do you have any do you have any stories you want to tell before we wrap it up? No, man. Uh, but on the road with Aries, there's always interesting shit that happens. And, um, uh, I know. Why don't you bring me on the road, motherfucker? Well, yeah. I've asked you before. You didn't say yes to me. You said you yes to you. So you know, well, I, I right haven't right seen you with as much consistency. Yeah. as I've seen the Jew. You know, this <laughs> motherfucker's been persistent, man. Yeah, yarmulke in hand. Yeah. Uh, yo. Um, Again, and thank you, brother, for having me on, having Andy on. Uh, again, our podcast, if you care, is Spears and Steinberg, uh, available to iTunes. And um, you can go to Spearsburg.com or AerieSpears.com. It's all free. Hit at Negroes. We know how we love free, which is another bullshit myth like niggas are scary. <laughs> Who the fuck don't love free, nigga? What are white people begging to pay? Get the fuck out of here. Every time I go to the mall and they're giving free uh, chicken pieces on toothpicks, white people pick them shits. Oh, yeah. Well, go to Whole Foods. Look at all these white Come people. On, baby. Come on, Everything free baby. they can. But, yeah, check out the podcast. Also, you can subscribe to me on Patreon for exclusive content. I'm on Instagram at Aerie Spears Official. And uh, YouTube, Aries Spears, hit the subscribe button, and there we go. I'm just andycomedy.com, and there's no reason to find me. But if you do, that's where I'll be. All right, man. Guys, thank you so much. You're awesome. This is Bill Dawes signing off from the Afterlife. It's the Afterlife, Afterlife. Welcome to the Afterlife, Afterlife, Afterlife. Afterlife, man. (laughs) Go ahead, pull up a chair. (laughs) 